0: What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to episode 25 of Parking the Bus Podcast here on the PTB Media Network. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike. Agustinho, and I'm back now after a short hiatus, ready to get that ball rolling again. And we're starting off by taking a break from club, from excuse me, league football in this episode. And it's all about uh, continental cup football. More specifically, it's a South American edition, and it is about Copa Sudamericana and mostly Copa Libertadores, the two finals that took place across the last couple of weeks. And we're going to talk about both of those matches here today, with a special focus on the Copa Libertadores. As um Comedy Ball concludes their club season, at least their club cont- their continental competition season. Um, different countries across Combi are in different stages of their season. Of course, with what COVID did in 2022, the football calendar has left most of these countries somewhere in between. Here, as some some of the countries are starting out, others are finishing. We got a hot race. Um, we got a couple hot races for the championship going on as we speak. Speaking mainly in Chile and in Brazil, while Colombia and Uruguay are kicking off, as are the as is uh, I believe Venezuela as well, kicking off their new season. While Argentina has crowned a champion in the Copa, uh, Diego Armando Maradona. While we've been away, Boca Juniors have won the competition named after one of their former greats. That's right, named after. Diego Armando Maradona the first team to win this competition under this name is of course his Boca Juniors quite fitting and it was a a brilliant final I think for for Copa for uh, Boca Juniors beating Banfield in the final in Banfield's own stadium and raising the trophy and Formerly known as the League Cup, it's now known, it's going to be known from here forward as the Maradona Cup or the Diego Armando Maradona Cup going forward. And the first team, like we said, under this name to win it is fittingly. Boca Junior so Boca the the champions of Argentina Super League and now the winners of that League Cup now remember this cup is attributed to the previous season to the calendar year 2020 so 2021 kicks off in Argentina as we speak with the the Copa Argentina or the Copa de Argentina, and um, it's in its early stages. But in future episodes, we'll definitely catch up with the Copa Argentina after this cup is complete. That's when Argentina will will pick up its league season. The Superliga will start later on um, this, I guess you could call it this spring, if you live in the Northern Hemisphere as I do, or later in the fall as uh, it is going to be in South America. But Argentina would be the first to grab silverware for the 2020 season in terms of continental football and common ball. That's because it was an all-Argentine affair in the Copa Americana final. The final staged in Argentina as well in central Argentina in the city of Córdoba at the Mario Kempes Stadium. And you have Argentine sides Lanús taking on Defensa e Justicia. We'll talk about that one in just a moment. And um, in the final of the Copa Libertadores, a week later, as you probably know, it was an all-Brazilian affair at the iconic Maracanã Stadium in Rio de Janeiro. It was Palmeiras taking on Santos in the final. And uh, we'll talk all about that one. It was in front of a decent crowd as well. I, I say decent. It was a boisterous crowd, a small crowd of mostly family and friends. But um and by invitation i believe if i'm not mistaken but it was it was not without its uh animation if you will the final was quite animated and don't let the scoreline uh, deceive you it was w- very much worth the watch i enjoyed it greatly but first we're going to we're going to hit on The Copa Sudamericana final. As um, we said, it's an all Argentine affair. And both of of these competitions, Cicomni Ball is behind the eight ball already (laughs) as we are into February. So the 2021 editions of these competitions are starting up very soon. Uh, The draw has taken place for the preliminary stages of both events. So let's first look at the preliminary draw for the Copa Sudamericana 2021 before we talk about the 2020 final. Just to get that out of the way. The draw took place on February the 5th. And here are the matchups here in round one of of the preliminary stage. As this is the first stage. And it is on a two-leg basis. And if aggregate is tied, of course, the away rules will be used. And if still tied, extra time. And then, oh, extra time will not be used, excuse me. If still tied, even after the away Goals rule is applied. A penalty shootout will be used to determine which team wins and moves on to the group stage. So you have the following matchups here, and it's and they're broken up by countries. So these teams are playing f- to represent their country in the Copa Sudamericana. A bit different than how they do it in Europe, for example, for the, Copa, uh, the Le- Europa League, excuse me. It starts off by teams playing against teams in their own country, so they are playing for their federation's spots in the tournament, rather than having a seeded draw. And this will ensure that um, each country gets a set number of representatives in the tournament. And what will happen is these these sixteen group uh, first stage winners, excuse me, will advance to the group stage along with twelve teams who are eliminated from the, along with 12 teams who qualified directly for the group stage, excuse me, 6 from Argentina, 6 from Brazil. So 6 from Argentina, 6 from Brazil, then everybody else plays in this preliminary stage to get into the group stage, plus 4 teams that will be transferred from the Copa Libertadores, uh, third stage of qualifying. So teams eliminated in the Copa Libertadores, third stage, also fall to the group stage of the Copa. Sudamericana, which gives a total of 32 teams in the Copa Sudamericana for 2021. So here is how it broke down. So playing for Bolivia's one spot, number one spot is Guaybira versus Nacional Potosi. And playing for Bolivia's second slot is Jorge Wiesterman versus Atletico Palma Flor. Chile is yet to determine their four teams because their league, as I said, is still Ongoing, it's got I believe three rounds to go, and we will soon know who these four teams. It'll be, it'll be um, the second place from Chile playing the fourth place and the third. Well. I shouldn't say the place. It'll be the first qualifier from Chile taking on the third qualifier from Chile. And the second qualifier from Chile taking on the fourth qualifier from Chile. Of course, remember, Chile also qualifies teams to the Copa Libertadores. So I shouldn't have said the first place. It's the first qualifier that will take um, the Chile number one spot. And these first legs of of these, these matches, I should state, will take place between... Between the 16th of March, and in some cases, the 7th of April. So, Chile up in the air. We don't know yet who the representatives will be. But Colombia will have these four teams playing for their two spots. Deportes Tolima will take on Deportivo Cali, with the first leg being home to Deportes Tolima, the second leg in Cali. And La Cuidad will play against Deportivo Pasto in in Ecuador, we have Macara taking on Imelec and Ayucas taking on Guajanquil City. From Paraguay, four teams also playing for two spots. Doce de Octubre taking on Nacional, while Guaireña will take on River Plate of Paraguay. Not to be confused with the River Plate of Argentina or the River Plate of Uruguay. Peru has four teams playing for two spots as well. UTC will face sport sorry sport Juan Caio, while Carlos a Manucci will take on Melgar Uruguay yet to determine as their league is just kicking off but they have yet to um, they have yet to determine the four teams that will take place. Uh, in this competition, but they will also play for two spots. They're going to play their round a bit later with first leg uh, taking first legs taking place on the 6th and 7th of April. And then from Venezuela, four teams also playing for two spots as well. Metropolitanos will take on Academia Puerto Cabello, and Aragua will take on Mineros, and those first legs will be on the 17th and 18th of March so that is the draw for the new competition of the Copa Sudamericana and the following teams already in the group stage so from Argentina you have Independiente, Lanús, Rosario Central, Nuels Old Boys, Arsenal and Talleres. Brazil still we don't know the six teams that will represent Brazil because the Brasileirão is still going they're at round 31 right now they have Sorry, they're at round 35, excuse me. This weekend will be round 35 of 38, so three weeks to go. Or three matches to go, I should say. They'll play it over the course of the next week and a half. Uh, and then we will know the six teams from Brazil. Bolivia has the two the two uh, winners of the first stage in Bolivia. And I'm sorry, these are the next group of qualifiers will be the teams that we just listed that are playing um, for their country's spot. So that's where it stands for the new edition of Of the Copa Sudamericana. Let's get into the final now as it was played on Saturday, January the 23rd, of course. In Cordoba, Argentina, as we just said. Lanús taking on Defensa y Justicia. Let's start with the 11 for Lanús. In goal, Toro Morales. Four in the back, in there, 4 4 2. It is Brian Aguirre as the right back. Guillermo Bordizo and Alexis Perez as the center back pairing, while Alejandro Bernabe is the left back. In midfield, four across the midfield, as we said. On the left, Lucas Bera. In the middle, Facundo Tomas. With Tomas Belmonte and down the right is Pedro de la Vega. And the strike pairing for Lanús is Nicolas Orsini and Jose Sand. Now, a 3-1, 4-2 for Defensa y Justicia, coached by the legendary striker Hernán Crespo, former Argentina, former, former Chelsea, former... AC Milan, former, I think, Inter Milan as well, if I'm not mistaken, represented a whole bunch of clubs in his career. Hernan Crespo, coaching Defensa y Justicia, who I have to go on the record and saying have one of the coolest kits in world football. I have to get myself one of their jerseys. All right, they had Ezekiel Unsain in goal, three across the back. Adonis uh, Frias was, was the right center back. Hector Martinez anchoring in the deep center deep center back, while Rafael Delgado played as the left center. Enzo Fer- Fernandez is the holding midfield in front of them. Four in front of Fernandez. Francisco Pizzini on the right. Valentin Leralde and Franco Paredes in the middle, with Eugenio Isnaldo on the left and two forwards. Walter Bow and the competition's top scorer, Brian Romero. Uh, those are the 11-4. Defensa y Justicia And if you haven't Googled their kits yet, do press pause right now and go Google it for sure. Uh, Like I said, i got to get myself some of their swag. No question about it. Now, we take a look at the match quickly. And the first goal for Defensa Justicia came in the first half. It was in the 34th minute. And it was Adonis Frias with the goal. Uh, We see... A couple of substitutions made after halftime. Franco Orozco came on for Pedro de la Vega on Lanús. And Miguel Merentiel would replace Walter Bowe uh, for defensive Justicia in the 61st. And one minute later, Brian Romero would score in the 62nd minute to make it 2-0. He would see a yellow card for his, cele- his celebrations. But... It'd be 2-0 at that point for Defensa y e Justicia. Lanús try to counter with two substitutions of their own. Facundo Párez replaces Facundo Tomás. Well, Fernando Bellucci, remember him? Fernando Bellucci, former Olympiacos and FC Porto star, among other teams. River Plate as well. He uh, had a long career with River Plate in, in Argentina, former Argentina international. He comes on in the 69th, replacing Lucas Vera. And within a minute, Fernando Fernando Bellucci is in the is in the referee's book with a yellow card. Something I'm sure he learned at Football Club de Porto. No question about it. Maybe at Olympiacos as well. I'm not sure. Uh, Alexis Perez sees a yellow card in the 73rd. defense Justicio with the double substitution in the 75th. Washington Camacho replaces Adonis Frias, and Emmanuel Brites replaces Brian Romero. Romero winning the golden boot for the competition and then we get the third goal it would be that substitute Washington Camacho in the 90th minute to seal the deal and Hernan Crespo wins his first piece of silverware as a manager Defense Justicia with their first ever Trophy, the first ever continental trophy, as the green and gold will now move to next season's Copa Libertadores because the Copa Sudamericana winner earns a spot in the Copa Libertadores, and they will also play in the Recopa Sudamericana against the the Copa Libertadores winner, who we'll talk about in just a few minutes. But that is that. Um, Defensa y Justicia, your winners for the 2020 Copa. Sudamericana. Now we're going to take a quick break here on the on the podcast, and we'll be right back on the other side. And we will get into the Copa Libertadores final from one week after the Copa Sudamericana final. And it'll be like I said, from the Maracana, two Brazilians playing in Brazil's most iconic stadium, or two Brazilian clubs, I should say. And uh, we'll we'll have it all right here for you when we get back here on the park in the bus podcast don't forget to follow ptb media network on twitter at under at ptb underscore media and on face on instagram excuse me with the same handle at ptb underscore media we'll be right back uefa euro 2020 this summer here on the park in the bus podcast And welcome back to episode 25 here on the Park and the Bus Podcast, South American Continental Cup edition of the podcast here on the PTB Media Network. Now we move to the main event, if you will, the big one, the Copa Libertadores. But before we talk about the 2020 final, let's talk about the draw for stage one of the of the preliminary rounds of the new 2021. Copa Libertadores. We start off, okay, with the. Di- so, I should say we start off. There is differences between the the preliminary formats in the two competitions. This one much more familiar to to those of you who follow the UEFA Champions League, as it's very similar. There's a first qualifying stage, a second qualifying stage, and a third qualifying stage, and teams qualify for each stage according to their uh, to their coefficient or their ranking uh, between. Which league they play in and where they finished in that league. It's a combination of those things. But the draw took place on the 5th of February. And it was a draw for all three phases it looks like. And we have the first legs coming up on the 23rd and the 24th of February. Only a week later than it would normally have been played which is a very good job by Comniball to catch back up. So let's take a look at the the draw for these stages. So we have three matches in the first stage, okay? So these six teams are playing for a spot in the second fa- in the second stage and I'll just announce uh, I'll read off the teams who are going to play each other and then I'll read to you who they are competing to play against in the second stage. So, on the twenty-third of February, again, it is just like in the Copa uh, Sudamericana, two-legged basis. If tied on aggregates, away rules, away goals rule will be used. If still tied, no extra time, straight to a penalty shootout uh, to determine the winner. So, these six teams are playing for a spot in the second stage. The first first stage match is Uruguayan side Liverpool taking on. Uh, taking on Ecuadorian side Universidad Católica, the winner will advance to the second stage and take on Paraguay's Libertad in the second in the second first stage matchup. It is Universidad Cesar Vallejo of Peru taking on Caracas of Venezuela, and they are going to play for the right to take on Colombian side. Uh, Colombian, uh, sorry, Colombian side Junior Barranquilla or Atlético Junior, as they are known in in Colombia, and then the final first stage match will be Bolivia's Royal Paris taking on Paraguay's Guarani, and the winner of that over two legs will travel or will advance, I should say, to take on Colombia's Atlético Nacional in the second stage. The other matchups in the second stage. Brazil's seventh place team, which right now is looking like it will be Grêmio, will take or Brazilian Brazil's number seven team, I should say, which still looks like it's going to be Grêmio, but we still have three rounds of play to go in the Brasileirão. They will take on uh, Ajacucho of Peru. Well, Uruguay's third slotted team will take on Bolívar of Bolivia. Chile's third place team will take on San Lorenzo. Brazil's eighth uh, entry will take on Deportivo Lara of Venezuela. And like we said, the winner of, of Universidad Cesar Vallejo in Caracas will take on uh, Junior Barranquilla, While Chile's fourth place team will take on Independiente del Valle of Ecuador. And like I said, the third phase matchups have been drawn, but to avoid the confusion and information overload, we'll cross that bridge when we get there because those matches are not slated until early April. Uh, The third phase will kick off with the first leg being played on the 6th of April. So that is where the new edition stands. Now let's backtrack and go to the final of the 2020 Um, Copa Libertadores, of course, being played here in 2021, as is becoming normal for just about every competition, given what the year 2020 was like in the world of football and in the world in general. All right, so we are at the Estadio Jornalista Mario Filho, or as you and I know it much better, the Maracana, the way that's the name the world knows it as, Um, it is, of course, Palmeiras versus Santos. And let's take a look at the lineup. We've gone over their path to this final in previous episodes. And we know that uh, Palmeiras had to come through River Plate, beating a very, very strong River Plate, um, winning 3-0 on the road in Argentina before losing 2-0 at home to to that River Plate side. That uh, manager, Abel Ferreira, uh, had no shame in in admitting was the better team and was the best team on the continent but um, Palmatus were, were very fortunate to get through, but they also had a good game plan and they hung on for dear life, but they managed to hang on long enough to, to advance. Of course, there were absolute uh, it was quite entertaining the amount of uh, unknowns that happened in that second leg as twice it looked like River Plate were going to have a penalty kick to with the opportunity to tie the match, and both times the VAR would reverse the call and send it the other way. Um, Very, very interesting unfolding. While Santos took care of Boca Juniors, first with a 0-0 draw in Argentina, before winning convincingly 3-0 at home against the then-newly crowned uh, Diego Maradona Cup winners. So let's take a look at the lineup, starting with Santos, who are managed by... Kuka who is easily one of the f- nicest dressed managers in South America. I love the managers in South America. It's the only place in the world, maybe Mexico also if you want to include them, where well, the managers dress in like nightclub clothes. It is it is fantastic if you if you if you like the style, if you like your managers looking different South American and particularly Brazilian football, really really um Gives you something to look at. Kuka dressed like he's headed for the nightclub in jeans and a in a really nice white t-shirt, uh, a religious t-shirt, of course, with an icon of 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 the Theotokos of the Virgin Mary, on his on his shirt. Uh, that much much different than the type of attire you would see on his counterpart, uh, a Belfreda, or on any manager in Europe, but something that is uniquely South American that I think is good, and I think it's part of of the cultural difference, and and, and it's Part of the cultural diversity of football, which I think is really, really important, that football remain uh, football continues to be this bridge of of connecting cultures, if you will, to one common one common um, denominator, which is football. So Kuka is the manager of Santos, and. In goal, they had John Victor. Now, it's a 4-1, 4-1 for Santos. they four across the back. Paraz, the right back. Lucas Verissimo in his swan song on his final match as a Santos player. He's off to none other than my Benfica um, <laughs> after this match. And he partners with Luan Pérez. Luan well, Perch, I should say, um, in central defense with Philippe Jonathan as the left back. The holding midfielder in the hole is Alisson with four in front of him. Marinho on the right, Di- Diego Pituca, and Sandri Santos in the center with Jefferson Soteldo, Sotel- Soteldo on the left. And Caio Jorge is the striker. Abel Freida on the other end, the Portuguese manager trying to keep the Copa Libertadores title in the hands of Portuguese managers, trying to succeed Jorge Jesus. And, um, and be the third now European manager to lift the trophy, the second Portuguese manager to lift the trophy. He plays in a 4-1, 4-1 for this one, which is slightly different than what he did in the semifinals. But Weverton is the goalkeeper, four across the back. Marcus Rocha is the right back. Luan Garcia and Gustavo Gomez are the center backs with Matheus Vinha as the left back, his holding midfielder is Danilo with four in front of him, Gabriel Menino on the right, Rafael Vega in the middle with Zé Rafael, and the star Ronnie on the left. The striker is none other than the experienced former Brazil international, former Shakhtar Donetsk, former AC Milan striker Luis Adriano. Now, many are going to say that this match was a uh, boring. Many are going to say that it lacked... Uh, It lacked goals. Well, that's true. It did lack goals, but it was certainly not boring. It was a tactical, really a tactical uh, masterpiece, if you will, in in some extent. And there was tons of entertainment. I mean, the closing moments were just fantastic. Why don't we listen to the closing moments here? Here's a little montage I I, uh, put together or I should say just a little bit of a sample of, of the final closing moments of this match, including the winning goal. And this is courtesy of BN Sports here in the United States, the English language broadcast. The legendary Phil Sheen on the call along with the up-and-coming, uh, very, very talented, very talented uh, commentator, Eric Krakauer. And here's how they called the final minutes of the match.
1: stands he goes with the santos faithful i don't know if there's going to be much social distancing yeah and i don't know if that's particularly safe either for kuka uh, a hero at the moment uh, again hospital for a very long Good time point. although from that perspective Launches. Out comes John. In goes the goal. Oh, Brayden. What a ball. Grani put it on a tee. And just like that. The ball launched all the way across to the far post. an unbelievable header from the substitutes. Ghani at Vega as an option. Makes a run on the outside of number 11. But he decides to cross this. Pinpoint accuracy. But look at the header. Just over Pará leap and how about that for accuracy all John can do is pray to the football divinities that the post will come to his rescue it doesn't maybe trying to snuff out the spark Kuka gets ejected and almost immediately Palmatis alight was hard to believe because it came out of nothing. A uh, fracas that led to Kukus sending off. Well, Malmet is about to win its second Copa Libertadores crown. And it looks like that Copa do Brazil final from Gremio might have to wait a bit because a club world cup on the line. Field of play, looking on, dreamed of being part of this championship crown, and that's going to do it. 104 minutes on the clock, one goal on the scoreboard, and maybe the most unlikely of sources. Danilo collapses in disbelief. Breno being held into the air. Palmeiras champions of the 2020 Copa Libertadores on the 100th minute goal. Oh, was a bit
0: of- so that right there for you is how the madness of the final minutes went down at the Maracanã. Cuca getting sent off almost needlessly. I mean, it, it was ridiculous, but it was hilarious at the same time as he's he's sprawled out on the ground fighting with the Palmeiras player for the ball trying to prevent Palmeiras from taking the throw in. And then the best part for me and I it really made me laugh was after the referee had sent him had sent him shown him the red card. Kuka looks at the referee and signals for the VAR. He does the box with his fingers, signaling for a VAR. <laughs> it's like what the VAR is not going to is not going to change anything. He clearly prevented Palmeiras from taking a, a quick throw-in as the game was in its dying moments and he was trying it looked like to take it to penalties. And um he was trying to hold on for whatever reason. I thought I thought Santos were actually probably the better side in the match. But <laughs> it looks like he, he, I don't know if he was panicking. I don't know what what was going through his mind that made him want to do that. And he, he should have known he's going to be sent off for doing that. For s- literally having a tug-of-war with the Palmeiras player for the ball so that he can't take the throw. And that's a clear interference. He was sent off, rightfully so. And then the best part is as he's walk he goes into the stands and goes right through the the Santos supporters and you heard Eric Crocker say there that that might not have been the safest decision earlier this year Kuka was hospitalized with complications from COVID-19 and um, you know Kuka not wearing a mask not um, in any way protecting himself you know I know that the crowd there was mostly family and friends. It was a small crowd. Um, I'll I'll get an official I'll get an official um, attendance for you in just a moment. But uh, he goes right through the fans and he's mobbed by the fans. He's patted on the back. They're chanting his name. They're chanting Kuka, Kuka, Kuka. But honestly, it, he was always going to get sent off for that. And then uh, again. Having had so many complications earlier this year uh, due to COVID, it, it surprises me that he was he was so careless with that. And I'm, you know, you know where I stand on COVID. If you've listened to these any of these podcasts, any of my podcasts, I should say, in the last year, you know where I stand. So um, I'm not one that 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 is all that afraid. I should say, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean. Um, I'm not afraid of people uh, I understand other people are and that is totally fine and I totally understand why why people would would want to stay away uh, from other people and at this time I understand the fear I don't necessarily feel that way so I'm not as, as as worried if you will I if I see someone not wearing a mask it's not going to threaten me personally but um, but I know other people feel differently, and um, you would think somebody who'd been suffering from the virus and had been hospitalized uh, earlier in the year would would. But I guess his his temper and his heat just took over, and he 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 accepted the showering of of pats on the back and even hugs from the from the Santos faithful as he worked his way to. To the upper rows where he would watch the final moments of the match and it was of course it was a it was a mistake on his part you can't say it was not because of what would what would happen the official attendance was 5,000 so there was 5,000 in the Maracana and um, yeah you heard you heard the the fans there chanting his name but within moments Okay. After he'd been sent off, I think he might have even um, broken the concentration of his team. I'm not sure, but within moments, you see the ball swung wide to the right to Ronnie. Ronnie with a beautiful cross. It finds it finds the head of his teammate. It finds the head of of the substitute, uh, Breno Lopes, Lopes, and he would head it, and it was a looping header. It wasn't a header that was headed down and away from the goal. It was just a looping header across goal, and the goalkeeper was going one way, the header went the other, and by the time he set his feet, he couldn't take his momentum the other way to make the save, uh, and the ball finds its way into the back of the net, and in the 90th, plus 8, Palmeiras find the winning goal through a reasonably unknown Player by the name of Breno Lopes, a uh, 25 year old Brazilian who, like I said, hardly known outside of the team, a substitute, but he etched his name into the history of the club forever with that header. Rips his shirt off and runs and celebrates with his fans. Again, um, for someone who, is, for fans looking on that might feel differently than I do um, about the danger, I don't want to say about the danger, but people who, who, have a harder time with the fear of contracting this, this virus or the spread of this virus, or I don't know how to, how to say this respectfully, but it, it had to, it had to be shocking, almost bothersome to many who saw him jump into the crowd and celebrate with the supporters again. And, um, after all, order was finally restored and within seconds of, of play being restarted. Uh, each team would make substitutions in the in the 90th plus 12. But that would be it and Palmeiras will win the Copa Libertadores. The first, the first 90 minutes is little to talk about. Very few chances each way. Um, both teams defending well. A lot of avenues blocked. Um, a very good match. Let's go through the player ratings as according to... To, to Mob, the FOTMOB Mob app, of course, um, the way they rated the players in this match. There's not a lot of high ratings, but um Palmeiras's goalkeeper Weverton has a 7.0. Their right back Marcos Rocha would be the man of the match, according to FOTMOB, Mob, with a 7.5. Luan Garcia 7.2. Gust- Gustavo Gomez 6.9. Matias Vina 7. Three, Danilo in the hole there as, as the center midfielder. I should say as the holding center midfielder, 7.2. The young Gabriel Menino, who I'm very high on, had a 6.1, was subbed off in the 85th. Rafael Vega, 6.9, subbed off in the 90th. Ze Rafael, 6.5, subbed off in the 78th. And Hani, the star, would be subbed off after that beautiful assist um, at... Uh, 90 plus 8, 7.0 for him. Luis Adriano, 6.2. So I thought that, that Santos were slightly better, but according to the player uh, ratings, Mob disagrees with me, which I- is, you know, reasonable. Um, Santos' goalkeeper, John Victor, 5.4. He had the lowest rating of any of the 22 players. Of course, he surrendered the goal, but... Uh, He was caught, like I said, side shuffling to his right. The ball came across. It was headed all the way back to his left, and he was unable to plant his feet, push off, and get himself to the other side of the goal. Uh, Pará. The right back 6.6, Lucas Verissimo 6.6, and his farewell to Santos, Luan Perch 6.5, Philippe Jonathan 6.3, Allison 6.6, Marinho 6.9, Diego Pituca 7.0, Sandri Santos 6.1, and Jefferson Soteldo 5.5. Um, Caillou George in attack was a 5.6. You look at the substitutes that came off for each team. For Palmeiras, uh, Patrick Carrero had a 6.6. Lopch scored the goal but didn't earn a didn't even earn a a rating as he came on too late to earn one. Alan Imperor, also no rating. And in the final moments, we saw the legendary defender, uh, longtime Brazil international Felipe Melo, come on to help hold the lead for Palmeiras. She came on in the 90th, plus 12, saw a few seconds, obviously no rating for that. For Santos off the bench, Lucas Braga, 6.0, and that was it. Madison and Wellington Carioca and Bruninho all came on in the after the 90th minute and did not earn a rating. We look at some of the statistics from this match and we have total shots the advantage went to Palmeiras 8 to 6 Sh- chances created Palmeiras 7 uh, Santos 4 big chances though um, Santos had the only big chance of the of the match, according to Fontmob. Santos connected more accurate passes, 282 to Palmeiras, 177 for a 76% uh, efe- efficiency for for Santos, 67% efficiency for Palmeiras, uh, 18 fouls for Palmeiras, 17 for Santos, 6 corners for Palmeiras, 4 for Santos, and you'll... Again, the shots on target eight to six in favor of Palmeiras. As you look at the duels, uh, Palmeiras won more duels, um, while Santos attempted more, attempted and succeeded more dribbles. Um, tackles attempted were practically even. Tackles succeeded were even. Uh, aerials won that advantage did go to Palmeiras, uh, twenty six to sixteen in aerial duels. One. Santos with 13 interceptions, though, to 5 for Palmeiras. And maybe it was that visual that was telling me while I was watching the match that, that I thought Santos were having a better match. Four yellow cards to each team, by the way. Um, and Palmeiras' goalkeeper forced to make two saves, while Santos' goalkeeper did not make a single save. So that that is the lowdown on the Copa Libertadores final. Like I said, the new competition will start very soon with the... With the, the preliminary rounds starting later this month. Now, as we move to this, we've heard now from both competitions. Uh, you know now the winners of both competitions in South America. You know Defensa y Justicia have won the Copa Sudamericana. And that Palmeiras have won the Copa Libertadores. So that means we have a Ricopa now for next season. And um, the twenty-one, the 2021 Recopa will take place in April, and I believe I'm double checking this for you now, but I believe April 7th is the date of the of the Recopa. Yes, April 7th, 2021 will be the first leg. It'll be in Argentina. Defensa and Justicia will host Palmeiras in that one, and then a week later on the 14th of April will be the second leg, which will certainly decide it at the Allianz Park, the former. Uh, palestra italia home of palmeiras Um, a lot (laughs) will probably change in both squads by then april is though it's only two months away it is technically next season so we'll see what these two squads look like we'll see who's managing these two squads at that time also and speaking of managing i do want to talk a little bit about abel freda here the manager of palmeiras winning the Copa Libertadores, winning his first piece of international silverware. Now he previously had won the Greek title with Pauk, and he had previously won the Portuguese Cup with uh, Sporting Braga. So he's a he's a manager that I'm quite familiar with and who I've watched for several years. and I've seen, uh, I've seen his career really blossom, and I think he's a very very good manager, a great motivator. Um, he's a good tactician, but he's just Seems very very humble. Um, he is not. He is very very different from Georges Jouj, last year's winner with Flamengo, in terms of personality. But uh, I think he's right there with him in terms of you know coaching ability, in terms of tactics. He did this with a much less a lesser squad than Georges Jouj. Uh, was able to do it with Flamengo a year ago. Flamengo have, uh, I, in my opinion, and I've been watching Brazilian football very closely for you know almost two years now, watching it closer than 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 ever before, and really closer than than almost any other football. Um, I I don't have a problem in in stating that Abel did more with less or did the same with less. Now Palmeiras still have the. Copa do Brasil final to f- to play two legs against Grêmio, which will take place uh, next month in March. Right now, Palmeiras well, I should say Palmeiras with this victory qualified for the FIFA Club World Cup. And the next episode of Parking the Bus, episode 26, will be prime will be focused solely on the FIFA Club World Cup okay so we're not going back to the leagues just yet um we are going to look at the FIFA Club World Cup with the final slated to kick off uh tomorrow so uh, I'll have that episode out probably the following day um I'm hoping for a Thursday release maybe Friday of this week where I'll break down all the matches and um let you know how that tournament played out. If you're following along, you probably already know uh, how it's gone so far. The final, of course, like I said, takes place tomorrow. But I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna spoil the next episode in case you haven't been following, and let you know um, who's won and who's lost. But uh, that will be coming shortly. So, is still with trophies to compete for, and. Th- Palmeiras still with an outside shot at the Brazilian league, but it is it is crumbling away. But they will have mat- matches to make up when they return from Qatar, from the cl- from the FIFA Club World Cup, and depending on what Inter Porto Alegre and what Atlético Mineiro and what Flamengo do ahead of them, there's still a a slight outside chance that Palmeiras could uh, steal the title they will however automatically qualify as we've already said for next year's edition of the Copa Libertadores and um, with this win and that opens right now that opens up uh, Brazil's seventh place spot for Grêmio okay now Palmeiras and Grêmio are meeting in the Copa do Brazil final and the Copa do Brazil also gains a spot in the Copa Libertadores so my assumption is if Palmeiras win that they would well either way one of those teams uh will already one of those teams will qualify it from that final so if it does finish the way it is now with Palmeiras in 6th if i'm not mistaken and Grêmio in 7th the 8th place team which could still be Santos that is Santos's only chance to get back to the Copa Libertadores. They got to win out the rest of these matches and climb as high in the table as possible in the Brasileiro, but there will be an extra spot opened in Brazil um, due to, well, they just get so many spots, don't they, in the Copa Libertadores. You know, you watch these European leagues and you hear about top four in England and top four in Italy, top four in Germany and here in Brazil. Eight teams getting a spot in the Copa Libertadores. Um, yes, there's far fewer countries in South America, but Perhaps there's too many teams in the Copa Libertadores. I'm not sure. Um, that's a discussion for its own day, certainly. But uh, certainly, you have to say a very, very, very good managing performance by one Abel Ferreira here guiding Palmeiras to the title. He jo- he, he signed on uh, a f- just a few months ago. I think he's got three months in charge of the club. Uh, he picked up the squad for the round of 16 and guided him through as Vanderlei um, Luxemburgo, if I'm not mistaken, managed the squad in the group stage through the part of the group stage that was played earlier in the season and then left the club and Abel came in. He left uh, Pauk in the Greek Super League to take on this position, and I think he's very happy about it as, once again, the Portuguese flag is draped around the shoulders of the winning coaching staff in the Copa Libertadores. But... um. It's a good thing because it brings a lot of visibility to the competition outside of South America. It brings a lot of it to Europe because he's a European-based manager. It brings a lot of eyeballs across the world to uh, this competition. And this is a competition, I I have to say, I have completely fallen in love with the last three seasons going back to that historic all-Argentina final between Boca and River two seasons ago. The last one to be played over two legs and... um ever since then this competition has been right on my radar right next to the UEFA Champions League um and I really really enjoy watching this the difference though in South America that you don't see in Europe is a 3 goal aggregate lead is is a lot harder to keep than it is in Europe. I know that it you know Barcelona have have dropped a large a large aggregate lead before to to Liverpool if I'm not mistaken if my memory serves me correctly but um that's just another that's just another day in south america we know that in south america that the tie is not over until all 180 minutes are played and um you can take a 3-4 goal lead home with you and it doesn't matter if you're playing at home or away in south america it, these these teams pull off tremendous feats and they pull off tremendous comebacks and it's a very very um, exciting tournament I know for many people this final was not the entertaining uh, blockbuster that they would hope for but anyone who appreciates good tactical football I think enjoyed watching the chess match between these two managers and these two clubs and in the end after 102 minutes it was Paul who comes out on top with the one nothing victory. Palmeiras are your winners of the 2020 Copa Libertadores. And this has been episode 25 of Parking the Bus. Thank you for joining me. I'll be back with you shortly in a couple of days with a look at the FIFA Club World Cup. Before we get back into our regular rotation of uh, visiting the various leagues around the world. A lot has been going on. Let me tell you, it is it is incredibly exhausting to keep up with all these leagues and with all these matches you know a lot of this due to covid but it's just match after match after match every 2 3 days teams are playing you know the the premier league picture in england has completely drastically changed since the last time i i uh, spoke to you about it uh, spain has blown wide open has i shouldn't say has blown wide open uh, atleti ha- has opened a, a good sized lead italy has has blown open uh, you had a team way ahead now you've got a a definite three if not four horse race for the Scudetto title opening up and business as usual, of course, in Germany with with Bayern just continuing to be Bayern and everybody else just continuing to facilitate for them. I, I have to say it, it's it's like nobody wants to dethrone them either. So we'll get into all of these leagues. We'll get into all of these conversations in the coming days and weeks here on the Parking the Bus podcast. And as you know, I have... Uh, I'm working on exactly a schedule and a format for a special for Euro 2020 coming in June. It's a long ways away, but I'm starting to prep for it now. Uh, That is, of course, assuming we have a Euro 2020 coming in June. As you know, the COVID situation in Europe is not good. It is starting to look better, but who knows what it's going to look like in the coming months. And who knows what UEFA is going to decide at their next uh, meeting with how to to plan it. If you're up to me. I would move it to one country but I understand that that's easier said than done. There's a lot of contractual obligations that UEFA will be will have to be held to or be penalized for not fulfilling if they were to do something like that. So we'll see what what UEFA decides to do in the coming weeks and months. But um yeah, just stay tuned to this space to the Park in the bus podcast. Every time something comes out, you know, if you're subscribed, you'll get it in your you'll get it in your player that day as soon as I put it out. All right. So uh, thank you again for listening and I'll catch you soon when we talk about the FIFA Club World Cup. This has been episode twenty five of Park in the Bus Podcast. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino signing off. Podcast and the PTB Media Network congratulate Palmeiras on winning the 2020 Copa Libertadores.